All right, it's the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, and I'm joined by Gio Million. We're here representing for CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals Network. Of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Storm Tracker Podcast. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube, and of course, subscribe to the website as well, CanesCounty.com, for exclusive information. It is Florida State Week, Gio, and I'm excited. It, it's the most exciting week for me as a football fan. I, I love this game. I've always loved this game. I think this game, I, I, I really think wide right one for me is when I truly fell in love with football. <laughs> you know, it, and um, we get to see these two teams clash once again. Although they're not ranked this year, it's still going to be a very – very exciting uh, matchup. I think these two teams are very evenly matched here. And the big question going in is if our guy, TVD, Tyler Van Dyke, will be starting on Saturday. So wh what do you think is going to happen? Are, are we going to see Tyler Van Dyke out there on, on the field uh, in, in warm-ups? What do you think? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, yes. Uh, the good news is Tyler Van Dyke will be warming up before the game. It is a game-time decision. I was told by a source that I spoke with following Miami's triple overtime win on the road last week over Virginia uh, that Tyler Van Dyke it was looking much more positive in terms of his return uh, for the Florida State game. So that's big. It's very big. Miami needs him. We saw the struggles that Jake Garcia had with the offense last week. Uh, you know, some of that could be attributed to the, in terms of the, the scheme that was ran last week, more condensed looks, more tighter looks, uh, bunched up formations. Uh, the offense was more spread out uh, following Miami's kind of rocky start at the beginning of the season. Uh, Josh Gad has kind of opened things up with Tyler Van Dyke and, you know, we've seen uh, quite some success from Van Dyke since uh, a record-breaking performance earlier in the season, almost having 500 yards against North Carolina. So kind of seemed like, you know, the Tyler Van Dyke that we were used to uh, seeing from last year's. So it it's definitely great and positive news to hear that. Uh, the chances that he starts is, is good at this point. It's looking very good. Well, that's great to hear because uh, we're going to need him <laughs> because uh, Jake Garcia's performance last week against Virginia was underwhelming, uh, to say the least. I mean, yeah, he did have the game-winning score in the end, but he was not able to kind of push the football down the field for the Miami Hurricanes. And I don't expect uh, a huge leap from him in case he does start on Saturday against the Knolls. So, I, I definitely want to see Tyler Van Dyke out there. I think he definitely gives the Hurricanes the best chance to win. And revenge is on his mind. <laughs> I, I know uh, I spoke to Tyler Van Dyke uh, during uh, media day right before the season started, and I kind of asked him about, you know, Florida State. And, and Florida State is one of those games that he has circled because, you know, last year – they had a chance to to win late. I think, you know, clock management at the end ended up being one of the reasons that he didn't have a, a, a true chance to really get down the field 
on on that last drive. I think if he had, you know, a little bit more time, I think he'd be able to kind of get down there for a game-winning score for the Hurricanes. So revenge is definitely on his mind. Tyler Van Dyke's a gamer, man, and he's a competitor. And he wants to get out there and revenge this game against FSU. And, and, and I hope he's out there. I really do hope he's out there uh, because Florida State has got a, a good quarterback of their own, Jordan Travis, who's who's improved a lot this season. In years past, he's, he's been more of like a running quarterback. But this season, he's really been efficient as a passer um you know just looking at his stats 2000 over 2000 yards already uh 14 touchdowns and just three interceptions those are pretty impressive stats and and he can still run it too so miami is going to have its hands full definitely i think the biggest question in terms of you know just with jordan travis this year Going up, uh, going up against Miami's defense. At least my biggest concern in this game is, you know, something a little, little bit of struggles that we've seen from Miami in terms of, of quarterbacks that have running ability. Uh, you know, just being dual threat uh, passers. Jordan Travis, obviously, as we saw last season, he was a pretty impressive runner as a quarterback. Uh, yeah. Like you mentioned, Marcus, uh, he has developed more this season as a passer. Uh, is a little more efficient this year, less interceptions. He's kind of cut that down, less mistakes, less turnovers. But I'm very concerned in terms of Miami's defense on the perimeter, you know, just containing on the edges, trying to trying to limit those, you know, kind of like those scrambling plays when the pocket breaks down and, you know, Travis tries to make a play with his legs. Uh, we saw it in the Duke game uh against uh against leonard his, his first name is skipping me right now but duke's quarterback he riley my riley leonard yes correct mm -hmm. uh riley leonard he was killing miami with his legs we saw some of that in the north carolina game with drake may um there's a lot of questions that i have about miami's defense uh just containing jordan travis with his legs not only his arm yeah, yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really frustrating week after week to see a quarterback just kind of break contain and just uh just get yards with his with their legs. I mean, it's kind of an ongoing theme of, of the entire season. It started with game one against Bethune <laughs> that we saw the quarterback just gain big chunk yards on this defense, and this defense has not figured it out yet of how to stop a running quarterback week after week we've seen it with drake may like he said we've seen it with riley leonard and now we've got jordan travis uh this week um uh, i think it would help if we have a spy and you can read frank tucker's piece uh, five keys to the game where he does talk about having a spy on the quarterback as one of the keys to victory and i believe that i believe that 100 percent. i think they definitely need to have a spy on the quarterback at all times uh, just to make sure that he doesn't break the pocket and, and, and get big chunk yards. I mean, even that Virginia quarterback, I mean, I think it might've been third and 14 or third and 16, something like that. And he was able to get 17, 18 yards on third down. And, and it's just an ongoing problem for the hurricanes. And I kind of got in a back and forth with coach uh, Steele, the defense, 
offensive coordinator of Miami earlier this week in the press conference, uh, talking about some of those big plays. Um, but he didn't really want to admit that they really gave up a lot of big plays this season. This season, and I I beg to differ, <laughs> you know, because Miami's given up a lot of big plays this season, more definitely more than you would like. And his point was that, hey. Um, you know, all teams give up big plays and all defenses, you know, give up, you know, big chunk plays. But, you know, I think Miami has given up way more than what we would expect from this type of defense. So we'll see what happens there. And another thing they have to be ready for is this running game, Gio. Yeah. Florida State is leading the ACC in rushing yards. Uh, with uh, it is 209 per game, 209 per game rushing. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. And hopefully you can get it down to a manageable number in this game. But if they run for 200 yards rushing, Florida State's winning this game. Oh, 100%, Marcus. The, the thing I see there, though, is while Florida State – is very successful in the ACC conference, at least on the Atlantic side of things in that division, in terms of running the ball. Miami's had quite some sex, uh, uh, success in terms of of uh, just managing the run game just from multiple teams this season. Uh, I I personally like what I've seen from Miami's run defense in in terms of you know just containing. Uh, potential game-breaking running backs. You know, uh, a good one to call back on is uh, Devon A-Chain from Texas A&M this season. I felt Miami did a pretty decent job of containing him, and I feel like he's probably, if he's not the best, he's at least the second-best running back Miami would see on this this schedule this season until Miami plays uh, Clemson with Will Shipley. Uh, You can kind of make the argument between the two. But – I, I like Miami's run defense. I think Miami could limit it how much they can. I'm not exactly sure on that. I, I don't think Miami's going to completely shut down Florida State's run game, but I think they can contain it to a point where it's more manageable within this game. Yeah, I hope so, Gio. I hope so. Um, they do have to improve in tackling. Um, you know, sometimes tackling rears his ugly head. With the Miami Hurricanes, uh, they they do have to tackle well in order to win this game. Uh, but uh, what are some of the matchups in this game that you're really kind of looking forward to? The one biggest one that I'm looking forward to, it has to be who from Miami is going to match up with Florida State's big jumbo 6-7 wide receiver and Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson, he's averaging about 20 yards a catch. Uh, to the to this point of this 2022 regular season, uh, you know that that's pretty impressive, especially for a receiver at that size. You would think uh, it would be more so of a a speedy, you know, deep threat type of receiver, smaller stature. But no, Johnny Wilson, he's he's producing pretty well. He's Florida State's best receiver. Uh, he's had two 100 yard performances this season. Uh, he had one game with two touchdowns as well. He's, he's a threat. You know, Miami has their own big jumbo receiver in Colby Young, but uh, yeah. I, where I'm keyed in on in terms of Florida State's offensive attack going against Miami's defense is that matchup there. Who will match up with him? 
Um, you and me had discussed this before we got on the pod. You know, maybe it's Tyreek Stevenson, maybe it's DJ Ivy. I, I, I like, I like Tyreek Stevenson to actually match up with Johnny Wilson, just in terms of his physicality that uh, Stevenson possesses. I could see some instances where you know Miami might match up James Williams, uh, maybe down in the red zone with Johnny Wilson, just you know trying to use James's length and his versatility. I could definitely see that being a possibility in this game. Uh, that's at least the biggest matchup I see in terms of this game as a whole uh, that Miami has to deal with. Uh, aside from just Jordan Travis's legs and Miami's entire defense just having to contain him and that rushing attack, but that is the biggest matchup that I'm looking forward to. And I think Tyreek Stevenson could have a, a game where he could earn himself some money with if he puts up the right type of performance. Yeah, yeah. And I believe it was Pro Football Focus that came out with uh, some stats on Tyreek yes, saying correct. that he was like one of the best in the nation when it, when it came to one-on-one coverage so yeah i don't i don't doubt that he could definitely match up to his physicality and i wouldn't be surprised if dj ivy was matched up with him as well i, I could argue that dj ivy has been the most consistent corner this season and he has the length uh to to kind of match up not not necessarily the match up he's not gonna match up with six seven <laughs> but uh <laughs> but it's his, his, he's got a long win, wingspan that could potentially contest catches. So whoever they match up on him, that they got to put a body on this guy, Johnny Wilson, because like he said, 20 yards per catch, 30 catches this season, 603 yards total, and four touchdowns. Definitely a monster on the outside. But uh, when you flip it over to Miami uh, on offense, I think Will Mallory – has a chance to really kind of have a big game uh, against Jamie Robinson. I think um, that potentially could be a matchup with, uh, you know, the tight end and the linebacker of, of Florida State. I think Will Mallory has a chance to really, you know, show why he is an NFL caliber type of tight end. He's really come on as of late. In, in, in these most recent games, coming up with some big catches. Uh, finally got in the end zone a couple of weeks ago against Duke. So hopefully he can get going. I think it would behoove whoever is behind center or taking snaps and shotgun to really get the ball to uh, Will Mallory so it can open up those deep shots. And, and hey, what, what what's different for this game is that we probably have a hundred percent or close to a hundred percent Xavier Restrepo for this game. He was on a limited snap count last week. Uh, so you would imagine he's close to one 100% now. And then you also have Jacoby George and, and Colby young, who's come into his own this season. So there's potential for a breakout game offensively. In this in, in this matchup, it's it's really an opportunity for Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, to really show why Coach Cristobal brought him in from Michigan, because 
this is the game. This is the game besides, you know, Clemson. I think this is the game to really kind of show, at least for those of us that are here in Florida, that he was worth the hype. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it, it, you know, the stage is really set for for that type of showcase. Uh, it will say a lot about Josh Gaddis's offense in terms of the fit with Miami. Uh, now you you will likely have Tyler Van Dyke starting in this game. It's a good chance that he starts. Uh, possibly having a one hundred percent Xavier Restrepo, as you mentioned. I think. You know, that, that's that's certainly big. Uh, he was on limited snap count last week on the road against Virginia, but it was great to see him back out there, you know, coming off the foot injury. Um, it's it's going to be interesting because Florida State has a pretty good pass rusher in Jared Verse, and I want to see, yeah. you know, just in terms of blocking schemes between Alex Mirabal, Mario Cristobal, and Josh Gaddis, what they will scheme up to try to contain the pass rush from Jared Verse. You know, he is Florida State's best pass rusher. Uh, I've seen some grade, uh, some grades from him in terms of, you know, how PFF grades out players this season. And he's put up some pretty good games. He's had some good performances. And it's, it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, just between John Campbell and DJ Skype, uh, just, excuse me, DJ Scaife handling that matchup. I'm sure Florida State will move him off to both sides. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting with that in terms yeah. of what Josh Gaddis will dial up. I want to see if Colby Young will continue putting on the type of performances he's had since he's basically had his breakout with Miami this year. Um, it's yeah. it, It's going to be interesting. And the reason why I say that it is Florida State has some pretty decent corners just between some, you know, state of Florida guys. Uh, One South Florida guy actually from the Broward County area, uh, former MacArthur Mustang in Kevin Knowles. Uh, That was a recruitment battle Miami had lost out to with Florida State uh, during the Manny Diaz era. And another one is Omarion Cooper from the West Coast of Florida. He actually played at Lehigh Acres. Uh, He is another Pretty decent cornerback. So Florida State has some guys in that secondary. I want to see the connection between Tyler Van Dyke and what he has going with Colby Young and Xavier Restrepo and and see if Josh Gaddis opens this offense back up. Maybe they were playing it safe last week against Virginia, but it doesn't seem like that works for this team. I think Miami needs to spread it out if they want to win this game. Yeah, they, they definitely do have to spread it out. And, and if you want to pinpoint a weakness on this defense, if it, if it's a weakness, you know, it, I think it, it is those defensive backs. And I think you have to attack them. I think the Seminoles' strength is that that front seven. Uh, so if anything, I think you have to find the holes in that in that defensive backfield in order to – kind of move the ball down the field and yeah you, you gotta you gotta air it out you, you have to establish a running game in, in order to be successful against this defense and what will also be interesting is who ends up starting because it feels like every week geo like there's a surprise to the lineup 
they're they're yeah. Uh, yeah coach coach Cristobal and his staff are very very candid with who is starting what injuries happen during the week of course we don't have access to the practices during the week and uh, we have very limited time with with asking questions um you know to the coaches and players or whatnot so it feels like every Saturday there, there's a surprise on the offensive line or the defensive line or, or whatnot. So it will be interesting to see if uh, Jonathan Dennis is coming back into this lineup or are they going to go with uh, Inez Cooper again on the offensive line? The the three steady offensive linemen have been John Campbell, DJ Scaife, and um, Jalen Rivers. Um, other than those three, there's been an injury to pretty much almost everyone on that offensive line. So it's, it, it'll be interesting to see what offensive line comes out there. Um, I'm pretty much can, you know, we pretty much can probably pencil in Henry Parrish uh, as, as the running back. But I, can't, I, I do want to see some of Jalen Knighton. You know, I do want to see some something from him i do understand he's he's, he's, had, he's had some fumbleitis you know these past couple of weeks but i think you, you gotta utilize a back out of the backfield catching the football and if he can add that wrinkle to the offense then that makes this offense ex- extremely dangerous but um uh, to your point about colby young though I, I do think colby young is going to continue his hot streak uh, I, I don't think it's a fluke. Uh, just like just like I've been saying, when people were calling in Daryl Langham, I took that as an insult, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, you know, he, he could be, you know, better than, than a Daryl Langham. So uh, hopefully he, he continues to show that. I think he will, especially with now uh, some attention taken off of him with Xavier Strepo and, and Jacoby George and, you know, Bouchard Smith likely to get some catches along with Frank Ladson and Keyshawn Smith. I think uh, Kobe, Kobe Young will, will definitely, um, you know, light it up once again for this Miami Hurricanes offense. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, it, it was no slight about Kobe Young and just keeping up those performances. I, I really like the connection that I've seen just between him and Tyler Van Dyke. They really seem to be on a rhythm and and they have a chemistry together that they've built while on the at least on the field during live games they they look like they have it together the two but the, you know just backtracking a bit to the beginning of this podcast you know you mentioned you you really fell in love with football you know uh, ride white one i mean why yes uh wide right one yeah uh speaking about florida state's kicker this season ryan fitzgerald Coming into this game, he is only converting field goals at a 58 percentage rate. Wow. It's kind of alarming. Uh, do you think maybe we could see a, a possible wide right or wide left again in this rivalry? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's possible. I, uh, I haven't seen a lot of Florida State play like live, but I did happen to catch the Florida State versus Wake Forest game. And he had a couple he had a couple of missed kicks in that game. And it seems like if he starts off with a missed kick, then he might be rattled for the entire game. 
So if that can happen, of course, that's going to be uh, that's going to be great fodder for for Miami Hurricanes fans, for us. <laughs> and, you know, it's going to be another chapter in, in this rivalry. And on the other side, too, you, you got our guy, Andy Borregales, who looked fantastic last week. You could argue he was the MVP in that Virginia game, converting four field goals. Uh, it seemed like all in very clutch moments. And now he's going to be at home, you know, with the home crowd behind him. I think he comes through once again. So if it comes down to a kicker battle, Gio, I, I, I like I, our guy over theirs. I agree with you. Uh, you know, Andy Borgales hitting at an 82 percentage rate right now on converting field goals. Uh, special teams could, could definitely become a factor in this game. Lou Headley, uh, you know, some Canes fans joke that, He's been quite the MVP for this team, at least over the course of the last two seasons, the Australian. Uh, you know, another thought that I had just going into this game, you know, we, we've been reaching out to prospects and they've come back to us and whatnot just since the start of this season, heading into this week. It's a huge weekend for Mario Cristobal and huge. his coaching staff on the recruiting trail. Almost huge. 70 prospects that I, that we at least know of that are mostly blue chippers, a bunch of five stars, four star prospects, all showing up tomorrow. Could be some surprises. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if a Brandon Ennis or a Mark Fletcher showed up. Those those are some big names. But Marcus, how big is this game in terms of recruiting? It's big. It's big, big. It, it's it's Andre the Giant big for for those old school wrestling fans <laughs> i mean it's it's you know it's game of thrones dragon big uh, i mean i i don't know throw throw in your analogy you know of what how big this is it, it's huge because you you just talked about it there's a ton of kids that are going to be there you can check out a full list on canescounty.com of all of the visitors that potentially will be at hard rock stadium on Saturday and it's it's 2023 20, guys 2024 20, 25 and 26 prospects that will be there so one it tells me that a lot of players are interested in my end like a lot of prospects are buying what Mario Cristobal is selling and they want to see more you know they they want to see more of what this what this uh school and team program staff can offer them they want to experience uh the staff in person and of course you know you and i will be there on the grounds uh you know seeing who actually comes in getting their comments afterwards so we'll know exactly how they feel about Miami, about possibly committing to Miami. And there's a, there's a ton of com, uh, players that are already committed to Miami that will be there. Almost the entire 2023 class will likely be in attendance. So this is huge, man. It, it, I, I think, I think if, if I could go into a prospect's mind, uh, I, I, I probably read everything that, you know, that you and I read or fans read and see all of this hype around Miami 
and the recruiting class. They currently have the seventh-ranked recruiting class. They just landed a prospect out of Wisconsin who could likely, uh, you know, be offered and and take a scholarship at, at uh, several other schools, but chose to walk on to Miami. So that's a kid that's completely bought in to Miami and what Cristobal is building. And a lot of these kids want to know what, what's going on. Like, can I get a drink of that Kool-Aid that everybody's drinking <laughs> or, you know, what's, can, you know, can, can I, can I find out what it is that Miami, what, what makes Miami special and they are going to find out on, on Saturday and, the cherry on top, it, it would be with a Miami win, and hopefully they get it. I agree with you, Marcus. Hey, you know, some of this could be that Cormani McLean effect as well. Uh, yeah, some of these kids, true. you know, th there's this saying we have among the recruiting industry between all of us. Uh, there's a saying that goes, five stars want to play with other five stars. Miami currently has three five stars in this class between Jaden Wayne. Francis Malagoa, and now Cormani McLean committing to Miami in a shocker last week. Yeah. Um, things are looking on the up the, uh, in terms of recruiting, despite Miami's on-field performance. So we Which will see. Just, it's just amazing, man. It's just amazing, Gio, of what they're doing. It's it's really groundbreaking. It could end up being really a historic stepping stone for this program, depending on how this program, you know, performs on the field in the next couple of years, we'll be looking back at this moment. Like, Oh, Oh, remember, remember the Florida state game when they had like over 70 recruits at the game. That was the, the that was the uh, moment that, you know, put Miami in the top five or something like that, because I wouldn't be surprised one bit if next week we find out that another kid decides to commit to Miami or puts Miami in their top five schools or three schools. Um, you know, one of the players that we should talk about is Damari Brown. Damari Brown will be taking his official visit this weekend, and he also – announced his top schools uh, this week with Miami firmly uh, in the, in that top uh, five. So, so um, or four rather, rather. Um, so we'll wait and see to, 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 to kind of hear from him and, and see, you know, what he thought about his official visit. Of course, he's a legacy kid. You know, um, and, you know, he grew up basically in a Miami household. So we'll, we'll see how that that particular situation goes in particular, because Miami could definitely use Damari Brown. Damari Brown is one of the most impressive corners that I've seen this year um, in person. I, I think he's just really dynamic, very balanced, great hips and just very uh, tactful as a cornerback. So I, I think he's he's like a, a more physical Earl Little, Earl Little uh, Jr. to me. And that's saying a lot because uh, Earl Little Jr., one of the best corners in South Florida, maybe even in the nation from uh, last recruiting class. So excited to, to, to hear from him and find out from him 
uh, how his visit went. That's definitely some high praise, Marcus. Uh, a little recruiting nugget right before we wrap this up. Speaking about defensive backs, uh, can't release the name, but we got some intel okay. this week that there could be another blue chip defensive back coming down on an official visit this weekend. A surprise visitor. So things are heating up in Coral Gables. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, and it's already hot in Miami, man, so it's on fire right now. <laughs> um, uh, any, uh, you said, you said uh, a cornerback, is, is it uh, from the state of Florida by any chance? Yes, yes, that, okay. yep. Okay, so just, just saying that, I think I have a good idea who, who that could be. <laughs> yeah, Miami's working it, but there there's a chance there. All right. All right. So I'm excited about that, man. I'm, I'm excited about, you know, uh, this game, obviously. Uh, before we wrap it up here, what is your favorite Miami, Florida State moment? Ooh, favorite Miami, Florida State moment. I would have to say that would be the 1990 – correct me if I'm wrong here, Marcus – the 1994 game when Carlos Jones – return that interception and the orange bowl was probably the loudest it has ever yes. been yes i'm not exactly sure of the year but i know i can see the play like happen right right in front of me it was against uh, i believe it was against danny cannell um was the quarterback at that time um uh, but yeah um i i remember i definitely remember that moment that team um yeah, it was it was a great moment. I mean, this, there's several moments for me. It's kind of hard to choose my favorite Miami, Florida State moment. But the one that sticks out for, for me is that Sean Taylor game in the rain. And I think oh, it was – I think it might have been 2003. Um, but, yeah, he Sean Taylor just had a monster game. This was a messy, muddy game in Tallahassee. And Sean Taylor had – had a monster game and um that i mean that that's something that kind of jumps out to me obviously you know wide right one is a classic game anybody any any youngins listening to this or watching the podcast go ahead and, wa and watch that game it was just a a grinded out tough hard-nosed game that obviously came down to the last kick um, it, it was just a, a classic game for me uh, to watch. And and then, yeah, and then that Sean Taylor game, definitely two of my favorites. You got another one by any chance since I, since I said two? Oh, that, those are some good ones, at least in recent memory, uh, that Daryl Langham catch uh, to break oh, yeah. that streak of, I think that was Florida State had gone on a, a five-year run of beating Miami at least in the late 2010s, um, you know, just just that moment between that 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 pass between Malik Rogier and Daryl Langham, and you know, just the entire yeah. Miami Hurricanes fan base, they felt like just a weight off the shoulders, you know, after taking so many lo heartbreaking losses. To be honest, to yeah. the Seminoles, you know, uh, for quite some years leading into that game, Miami seemed like they would pull it off and you know dalvin cook 
uh, he would just hit Miami with a dagger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that moment was was definitely outstanding for for the program. Hurricanes fans, especially Hurricanes fans, were there. I, I know they lost their absolute minds. Um, and then Miami went on a, a little run and would win four out of uh, they won four out of the last five and that was after losing seven straight and that was the game that broke that seven game losing streak um and then so miami was able to kind of take the lead in the series on their four game winning streak they currently lead the series 35 to 31. so this is the 67th meeting of Miami versus Florida State. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Of course, you can see our staff predictions on canescounty.com to, to find out exactly how we think the game will turn out. Feel free to comment on Canes Talk, our premium board, uh, so you can provide your score as well. I think that's going to wrap it up, though, for us, uh, Gio. Uh, anything else you want to add? Yeah, um, I think one other moment I could think of, and thank you for correcting me on that. I, I was totally wrong there. I said five years. Wow, I I can't believe it. It was seven years Miami lost to Florida State. That's yeah, rough. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, this this series, you know, my, even though Miami leads 35 to 31 in this all-time series heading into the 67th game, uh, it seems to have a lot of swings just between the two teams where, you know, there may be a one-off year where one of the teams wins, but it seems one or the other kind of, kind of holds for some years that, you know, just in terms of the, the W column in this series and it's kind of gone back and forth. You know, you've seen some five, six year stretches where Miami just continuously beats Florida state. And then it turns over the other way with Florida state uh, going on a streak as well. So hopefully Miami could start another streak here. Uh, it's not good in terms of history. If Florida state wins, uh, uh, you know, just going off of past history, but uh, I'm excited for this game. You know, uh, first sellout crowd in a few years at hard rock stadium. Yes. Uh, the last yes. Miami and Florida state game that was actually uh, during the COVID season, I was at that game. Uh, it was kind of depressing, even though Miami had a 52 to 10 win. That was pretty great to see. Um, yeah. It was kind of depressing that season uh, for that Miami Florida State game, not seeing as many fans in the stands just due to, you know, COVID 19 regulations. But we're far away from that now. Packed out crowd tomorrow, tomorrow night, 7 30, primetime television. Uh, you know, what more could you ask for? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I wrote a piece earlier this week about Miami's best games this century that they've won at night at home. And, of course, that was the one game, you know, basically within the past, you know, 15 years that they actually beat Florida State at night at home. Um, and, yeah, it was it's definitely an absolute shame that, uh, a raucous crowd couldn't experience a 52-10 win over <laughs> over Florida State. You know, it, it's really a darn shame, you know. Um, but anyways, uh, tomorrow should be an absolute great <laughs> atmosphere. And 
No Florida State ban. So we don't have to hear that annoying war chant. Oh! Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, they're probably still going to do it, some of the dedicated fans out there, but we don't have to hear the actual ban, which is great. And I'm sure that's something that either Cristobal or Radakovich uh, decided on, and kudos to whoever decided not to have that band in the stadium. Yep. Yeah, man. Definitely a big one there. Uh, I think that's about it. Um, that's a wrap on the Canes County podcast, the Storm Tracker podcast. Yep. All right. Until next episode, guys.